Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hey, Kartik, welcome to the Top of the Class podcast. It's awesome to have you on the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm Karthik Namani, and I'm from Texas, and I won the 2018 Scripps National Spelling Bee, and I am going to be a rising senior in high school now. Fantastic. And for people who aren't familiar with the Scripps National Spelling Bee, I just said off air that I'm a bit of a fan of the show, but I think you would obviously be a bigger fan of the show having been a winner of the Scripps National Spelling Bee. So can you give us a bit of a sense of the scale or like the importance of the Scripps National Spelling Bee? Uh, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but a lot of people hail the Scripps National Spelling Bee as probably one of the most prestigious academic competitions. And I think year round, 11 million kids compete in it every year. and it's pretty much just a competition to test your knowledge of words and languages and roots. And you start with the school level, then you move on to like regionals and the top of the top get invited to the Scripps National Spelling Bee, which is usually held in end of May, but this year it's being held in July. 11 million kids participating in this competition. To come out on top is a crazy feat. And as you said, like academic achievement wise, it, uh, it certainly does set you apart from a lot of other students around the world for sure. Now, let's go back into younger Kartik days when you may have been like a fan of the show or you may have been like a talented speller at school. Like how does the journey even begin towards competing and even winning the Scripps National Spelling Bee? Like how far back do we have to go? The first time my parents noticed any talent in me for spelling was around when I was two or three years old. I think one of my relatives asked me the spelling of iguana and I spelled it and he was really shocked. And I think my dad bought some alphabet magnets on the, in the store mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And so I used to like build words with that. And that's where my interest in spelling kindled. I didn't really compete in bees much until my until I was around eight or nine. Right. But still, we're going back to like four-year-old or five-year-old Kartik pretty much, yeah. kind of people noticing some talent, people mm-hmm. providing a few resources for that talent, and then carries over to your eight or nine, starting entering into competitions, these kinds of things. Now, the level of competition for the Scripps National Spelling Bee is like, I, I feel like I'm trying to give people, our listeners, a little bit of a sense of the techniques and the difficulty of the words and these kinds of things, because it's not as simple as just like, oh, you know, spell the words, you know, anti-disestablishmentarianism or something like that. It, it, it's, it's a much more uh, technique focused and strategy focused and really understanding the different components of a word. So can you give us a bit of a sense of like the different levels of spelling? So there's like sounding things out, right? You know, at the most mm-hmm. beginner level, sounding things out yeah. and it progresses from there. So what would be the next level above sounding things out? Um, I mean, after sounding things out, it would just be like spelling smaller words, building words. And then after that, once you get to a more intermediate level, you can start to look at root words and look at language patterns and things like that. So that whenever, say you're confused on a word, 
Uh, you can use past uh, knowledge of language patterns and stuff to help build a word and spell it correctly in an actual B. And I mean, not just for me, but for everyone that that skill has helped everyone. But once you get to an advanced level, it's all about efficiency. Like you can work 24 hours a day, like literally, but if you don't have the efficient means of studying, you probably won't get anywhere. And so in this day and age, a lot of people have resorted to typing words. And I used to type words as well. And that was a really key component as to why I was able to learn a ton of words in a shorter span of time. Okay. So typing words versus what were some other strategies people were using? I mean, uh, before before people began typing it, they'd write words out. And I believe that is also an extremely important method of studying, but I believe that's more for, I guess, intermediate level spellers to like get a sense for the word and get it like get some words like ingrained in your head. But once you get to an advanced level and once you're like once you're trying to contend for a title or place um, high in a B, that's when you have to start using um, means of studying. Okay, absolutely. Now, I, I want to try and get the root of the word and that understanding a little bit better because I know that in spelling bees, you know, the students will often get the word and then they'll say, oh, can I have the root of the word or the derivation of the word or can I get it used in a sentence? And I am fascinated as to whether or not that is stalling because the student has trying to, or the student's trying to remember the word. They may have seen it somewhere and they're like, I've seen this. I just need to have time to remember it. Or B, does that actually help in the spelling of a word when you ask those kind of questions? When you do know a word, it's usually stalling. But when you don't know a word, asking those questions is really important because in different languages, they are spelled in different ways. Like say, if you get a word like pneumonia, I guess, and if you um, if you ask what the language of origin was and they said Greek, you could tie it back to other words that started with PN that's, mm-hmm. that were in Greek. And then the U sound in Greek, a lot of the times it's, it's E-U. And so you can spell it P-N-E-U-M-O-N-I-A. So even if you didn't know the word, if you know the language patterns associated with the word's origin, then you can um, easily piece together the word. And if you get the definition and things like that, you can tie it back to previous things that you know, and you can easily piece the word together. So if you don't know a word, it's really important to ask questions. I thought it might just be like a gamesmanship stalling tactic, like making other contestants think that you're going to stuff it up type of thing, but really you actually know the word, but really like it, it can actually help. Particularly, as you said, like if you know that Greek is typically PN, EU is the U sound, these types of things. For an average student, is the origins of the word, root of the word, a kind of normal way to approach spelling if they're like writing an essay or something, or should they just forget about it unless they're actually competing in a spelling competition? I mean, when you're writing an essay, it really wouldn't matter. It's mostly just for spelling purposes to study root words, but it's a really interesting field studying root words and language patterns because you get accustomed to so many different languages and how they're spelled. And it's honestly a really interesting facet of spelling. So even if you're not competing, it's definitely an interesting field to look at, but it's for sure more mostly important for just the B. Right. Now let's go to your preparation for the B. And I uh, have been reading up on you and I know it's not a, a walk in the park type of thing. And I saw, saw a quote actually by like your coach, actually, Grace, um, mm-hmm. who said that, you know, previously it was like opening up the dictionary and 
diving in really and trying to find the most difficult words and trying to memorize them. But obviously for you, that technique is no longer the case. You're, as you said, writing out words, trying to find different things, Excel spreadsheets. But can you give us a sense of like the week or two leading up to the Scripps National Spelling Bee, how you were spending your time and and what you were trying to do to prepare for the big stage? The week or two before the bee was definitely just all review, like going over words that I may not have seen or may not have like ingrained in my brain yet. So the week or two before is definitely just going over past lists and just trying to get them in my memory so that I can be best prepared for the B. Because obviously when it comes to spelling, you're not going to remember all the words after one go. So if you go through the dictionary one time and just stop your preparation, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to go far in anything because half the words or more than half of the words you won't even remember. So review is extremely crucial when it comes to the B so that you can maximize the amount of words that you, you can maximize the word arsenal that you have. So the word arsenal is like of the words that you might get at the B, Mm -hmm. these are the words that you're confident with that you 100% have down pat. And then you've probably got another like less arsenal of words, which is like the ones that you've heard before you kind of remember, but like you need to really think about the origin and and everything else, like the different clues that you have to help solve what this word actually is or actually is spelt, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got like your your 100% confident and you've got like your 90% confident, right? And then you have your, you have the scariest part, the 0% confidence words that you haven't even seen before. And the problem with that is you don't even know if those words exist or not because you haven't even seen them. So that's one of the main things that a lot of, that scares a lot of spellers that even, even if they prepare as hard as they can, there's still going to be a few words here and there that they have never seen before. And to some people's misfortune, they end up to those kinds of words. Yeah, well, that that would be unfortunate. And then in those instances, like if you got a word or did you get a word in the 2018 spelling bee that you were in that category that you 100% didn't know? There was there was actually one word that I have never I had never seen before. It was around round 10 in the finals. Uh, I got the word Shamir. And if you hear the word, it seems really simple. And the way it's spelled is really simple. The problem is I'd never seen the word before. So I got really tensed, I guess. And I took all the time that was possible. I asked all the questions. Um, The origin was Hebrew, so it would probably be an SH. And it would probably just be spelled the way it sounds. And so I just used all the information that was given to me. And um, I just spelled it the way it sounds, S-H-A-M-I-R. So that was one word that I didn't know, but I was able to survive on because of my knowledge of origins and definitions and things. Right. So this is the schmear, like when people are talking about having a schmear of cream cheese on a bagel type thing, right? Mm -hmm. No, shamir, shamir, not schmear. Oh, shamir. So what's the, what's the word shamir mean? Do you know? I think it was some mythical worm. (laughs) So it's a weird definition. It's a mythical worm that can like break diamond or glass or something. I don't really know, but all I know it has something to do with, I guess, Hebrew mythology. Okay, wow. So they're really pulling words out of nowhere, right? Like it's uh, yeah. it's pretty hard. And that's the thing, right? It's, you know, when people are thinking of preparing for any kind of exam these days, like the go-to thing is practice tests, right? So people want to try and get as familiar with the questions that they might come across in any given exam. 
But for the spelling bee, you can't really do too many practice tests, although I'm sure you're going back through the books and saying, okay, what words have appeared in the spelling bee before? But chances are like they won't repeat too many of the words that they've used in past competitions. Is that fair enough? Yeah. I mean, there's occasionally words that that were asked like 10 years ago, but barely anyone remembers those. So it's really just comes down to how much you prepare from the dictionary. And there are certain books that um, I use that were crucial to my victory. And they gave me greater insight on, you know, how to approach the bee, how to, you know, learn each word and things like that. So those books helped me and dictionary diving, they call it. So dictionary diving is like you go through the dictionary, see the words that you don't know and note them down. So those two things were really vital to my success. Can I ask which books they were? Um, one book is called Words of Wisdom. Uh, another one is uh, Words of the Champs. Those are the main ones I use for sure. Words of wisdom, words of the champs. Well, are you going to potentially write your own book one day about spelling bees and how to conquer any kind of competition in spelling? I don't know. I, I might. We'll see. Now, one other question that I've got as well on the spelling bee side of things is how much of it is memorization and how much of it is problem solving? And like if a student is a great speller but is not a great memorizer, will they win? Or is it primarily memorization? Uh, people tend to have a huge misconception about the B that it's just memorization. Like whoever memorizes most words is going to win. And that is entirely not the case because, I mean, these days, memorization, I guess, is more important as the B becomes more and more difficult over time. And because resources are abundant in the B community. And so more and more people are learning more and more words. But it is not entirely memorization. There's language patterns and roots and just knowing how to be calm on stage, all of those intangibles and things like that, those are equally as important. Yeah, yeah. well, take me to the stage and, and that day that you won the 2018 National Spelling Bee. Like, take me through the nerves that you must have had, the rounds that you guys do, because I know it's like a long day. Uh, it's not just, you know, you go up there, spell a couple of words and you've won. Like it, it is a arduous day and to stay focused throughout that day, like what kind of preparation did you do on the mental side to prepare yourself for that long focused day? I mean, coming into the B, I believed I prepared really well. So I was confident that I would at least do well on in the B. And so I didn't like if you talk to me now that I would definitely not have the same, you know, calmness in in any competition that I did back then. But back then, I was definitely confident in my approach and uh, how I studied. So I never got too nervous during the competition. I was able to hold myself to pull myself together and I was able to stay calm even in the most trying of times. Is it like breathing techniques? Oh, yeah, yeah, breathing, breathing for sure helped me. And another thing was staying in the zone like keeping myself up to date on the competition and like you know some people when it's not their word they might zone out and not listen to what words other people are getting but I I usually conversed with the people around me about uh, how to spell words that other people got and that would definitely help me relieve some of the tension and keep me like calm and cool and in the zone. I can imagine that there's all kinds of different people who are dealing with the stress in many different ways. And it's so weird that like in an exam sense, 
you know, everyone's got their own space. Everyone's on a desk of their own and no one talks, right? But you've got this weird space where you're like going up to spell your word and then you're coming back to like be around your other competitors who are also trying to beat you, but also want to stay friends. Like it must be a very weird kind of camaraderie that you guys build among yourselves as like, you're all in this together, but you're all trying to win. Is, is it weird, that kind of dynamic? The beauty of the bee is that the only person that controls your fate is yourself. Like uh, I play tennis uh, for my school. And I mean, if the person is better than you, as well as you play, you're probably not going to win. And winning is not completely under your control. Obviously, 99% of it is in your control, but you know, you can't control everything. But with spelling, it's just you on the stage and it's just you and the pronouncer. No one else really, I mean, I don't mean to be, mean to be mean, but no one else really matters. And how everyone else does, doesn't really affect your performance. And so that's, that's why we can develop as competitors together. That's why we can develop such camaraderie off the stage because we're all in this together. And I'm pretty sure in the end, we obviously want to win, but it would be much sweeter if somebody else won with us. Yeah, yeah. well, I know that one year, actually fairly recently, there was like eight winners. 2019, 2019, yes. Yeah. So you think that's a good thing, right? That was one of the most incredible nights of spelling that I have ever seen. It was really good in the sense that it develops camaraderie and that multiple people won and they would all go on tour together around the media uh, for the media shows and things. But I mean, it was, it was a good thing, but I definitely believe they could have asked harder words down the stretch and it definitely, it was a very momentous night. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, remember seeing that in the media that uh, eight people had won, which is crazy, but talk to me about what, the you know spelling bee winning did for you and your life because obviously in the week after or you know maybe month or two after you were in the media a lot i can see your articles in time magazine and and all kinds of things so you would have been on a lot of different shows now we're we're uh, three years out now so we can kind of chill out and relax on a podcast here but like in that first month after winning what was that like for you uh it was just whirlwind honestly i had there were so many interviews I had to do. I got, I honestly got so tired of it in the first month because so many people invited me to, you know, be on there, whether it was a phone call interview or was it, whether it was a show or something like that. It was honest, it was really exhausting for the first month, but it was definitely a great experience meeting a ton of new people and gaining more and more insight on how to progress after the beat. So what does that look like for you now, three years out, like, has it looking back been a life-changing event? And to this day, like, how does it continue to potentially change your life? Oh, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely one of the most incredible moments of my life, obviously. With the minute I entered high school, I mean, everyone was like, oh, that's a spelling kid, that's a spelling bee kid. And so, um, I mean, I got, I had ended up talking to a lot of people about that and it was a really incredible occasion for me in the sense that I was able to gain so much experience, life lessons from the B, and I can implement them in my life as a high schooler and potentially in the future. Yeah. Is there any cons to winning though? Like, is there any drawbacks to winning the National Spelling Bee? Like, do you still experience some pressure when there's like an exam or something at school and people are looking at you being like, Oh, uh, he's the spelling bee kid. You know, he won one out of 11 million. Like, 
he should get 100% every time, right? Do you still feel like there's an academic pressure on you from other students or academic pressure that you perhaps put on yourself? There's no academic pressure, but one thing I will say is after the B, you hit a few months of just, you just do nothing. Like You might have worked super hard prior to the B, but after you, after winning, you just lose motivation to do anything because you put so much time and effort into the B and now it's over. You don't really know what to do after that. So for a while after the B, I was definitely really lazy and didn't really, you know, do much the summer after and maybe for a bit after that. My mom always tells me that not the phase after losing, the phase after success is the most dangerous because you get super complacent and you'll lose track of your normal life and routine and it could potentially impact your, you and yourself in a really like harmful way, I guess. Well, I mean, like you were studying, as I read before, you were studying four hours a day or thereabouts to prepare for the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, you're like, what do I do with that time exactly. now? Like I've got four hours that I used to fill with like studying you know, words and whatnot. And now I don't have to do that. So I'm just going to chill because, hey, I've reached the top of the mountain. Like now I get time to chill, right? Yeah, all I, pretty much all I did after that was... Just the main, my main focus, I guess, was tennis. Mm-hmm. And because I really, really enjoyed, even while I was spelling, I really enjoyed playing tennis. And after the B, I was like, I was going to put my effort into tennis now. So that was definitely one of the main things that I have done since the B. Okay, awesome. That's really, really good. Now, let's talk about uh, your next academic challenge. I'm sure that you're looking towards college admissions, these types of things. Obviously, like top of the class, it's powered by Crimson Education. We're in this space. I've been interviewing recent admits from like the, some of the top schools lately. So what's your goal in terms of colleges? I mean, my dream school has always been Stanford because I believe I'll get a great experience there. And it's one of the most prestigious universities and has great opportunities. It's located in the heart of Silicon Valley. So as an aspiring computer science major, I think I I would say Stanford is my dream school. But one of my main target schools is the uh, UT Austin in uh, Austin, Texas, because I mean, obviously it's affordable and it provides great high quality education. So schools are definitely some of my target schools. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Stanford is certainly up there with the best. Actually, uh, one of the students that I interviewed, Isadora, is uh, on her way to study mechanical engineering and CS at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, from Brazil. So an interesting episode there for you. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I just want to reflect on that a little bit that you know, you're a CS type student or you're looking to study mm-hmm. computer science. I would have thought that the majority of students who are in the spelling bee would have been like your humanities based students, like students who love to read and write. But I would say as well that there must be a significant advantage to have like a scientific approach to spelling rather than just like, I love reading, I love writing, therefore I'm a good speller. Like when you're looking at the derivation of words, the origin of words, patterns, these types of things, that's more science than humanities. Mm-hmm. Am I in the ballpark yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're definitely there. And one thing I noticed with a lot of spellers is they don't tend to love humanities as much as they do, say, STEM. Like they do spelling because they're good at it and they love it. But that's one of the only English-related things that they truly enjoy. Their real passion is in more computational math, science-related things. 
Yeah, I would not have guessed that unless you'd brought that up. Like I would have thought all the students up there would have just loved reading and writing. But, you know, when you started talking about like the Excel spreadsheets and this kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm a humanities-based student. That's that's my background. I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a humanities student at all. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that you're aiming for CS at Stanford. That would mm-hmm. be a uh, fantastic achievement. Now, for any advice uh, for students who are aiming to go into spelling competitions or whatever other competitions, kind of like big brand, big name competitions, what advice would you give them in terms of the preparation and on the day? Um, in terms of preparation, obviously efficient means of studying at higher levels is important. Getting the basics down, learning roots, and just most of spelling and your success in B's all has to do with what's in here, like your mentality towards spelling. You just have to love spelling. You have to enjoy the process of learning new words. And without that, you're not going to succeed because you won't be able to push yourself to become the best that you can be. And so, you know, dedication, hard work, passion to spelling, those are the main things that you need. Fantastic. Well, Kartik, it's been awesome to have you on the show. It's been great getting an insight into the wonderful world of spelling and what makes a fantastic speller. And yeah, wishing you all the best on your journey, hopefully to Stanford, but if not UT Austin, obviously Mm -hmm. a fantastic (laughs) option as well. But yeah, look forward to sharing this episode far and wide. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.